Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports, as usual, and also, as usual, Sean Smith, formerly of On the Forecheck, but stay tuned, there's going to be some news on that soon, I'm sure Sean will uh, will, will share, not today, but uh, sometime very soon, but uh, he is still here and he still talks about the Preds with us on this show, On the Preds, so uh, glad to have him. Sean, how's it going? Pretty good. I... Uh... Having a real good day today. Everything's going great at the yep. Smith House. Real exciting That's time. That's good. Um, excited That's to cool. talk. Excited to talk about some hockey. And, you know, I, I'm excited about a few other things we're going to discuss today. So We have a fun show today because um, we, are, we are smack in the middle of the most dead period for NHL hockey you could probably have. Free agency is basically over. Except for, you know, you're going to see signings. Someone's going to sign Nazem Kadri. Someone's going to sign... Phil Kessel, someone's going to sign P.K. Subban, who still has a, who still doesn't have a team. But really, for the most part, it's dead. Training camp doesn't start for another month and a half. So we've got just nothing going on. So we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks doing some rankings. We're going to rank some people. Uh, just like, you know, hotornot.com back in the day. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> say like a slam book back in middle school. That should be right. fun. We're going to rank the Preds by position. Today, we are starting with the defenders. So we're going to go in reverse order, starting with the, <clears throat> I guess you could say, worst on the team, all the way to the best on the team. Uh, we will In the coming weeks, we will also talk about the goaltenders. A bit easier on that one. Uh, we'll probably combine that one with another subject, but um, just because that's no no mystery there. But I, I do want to talk about it because there's, there's there has been a signing that we didn't see coming. So where does you know, Kevin Lincoln and fit in there. So, um, and then we'll do wings and then centers. We'll separate out the centers and the wings. It's a little tricky because, you know, Mikhail Granlund, I mean, he does play some center, but he's more of a wing. Matt Duchesne, same thing. Like Duchesne and Granlund are like a center wing combo. And, you know, Johan- Johansson's like the most like consistent center on the team. So <clears throat> it's a little tricky there, but we'll kind of, we'll, we'll cover that when we get to it. But um, the other thing we're going to do, and if you hear a little bit of like nasally stuff going on with me, I am I'm in my fifth day of isolation with COVID, so feeling a lot better, but uh, you know, it's still kind of congestion and such. But anyways, what we are going to talk about in the second half of the show is really, really fun because Sean and I want to discuss an amazing bit of found footage. Oh, man. I know Sean's excited about this. Chomping at the bit. It is not really found footage. I think the video has like four and a half million views on YouTube. It's not found footage. But uh, if you haven't seen it, it will be found footage for you. And it's really, really fun. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much what we're doing. Um, We're going to talk Preds Defenders today. Pretty exciting, right? I'm excited. 
So for this, we are going to first talk about the guys that didn't make the cut. So there's some some defensemen on the um, minor leagues that we're, we're not really going to talk about because they just they're, they're really probably not going to make appearances. Um, Kevin Gravel, the new guy they sound, Roland McCown, Jordan Gross, those guys came together. Um, Luke Prokop, Adam Willsby, Jack Mattier, 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 I think it's Mattier, right? Mattier, yeah. Mattier, Jack Mattier, uh, Spencer Stastny. These guys are all probably Milwaukee guys for the majority of the year. Um, don't think we'll see them unless there's some sort of injury situation. <clears throat> so let's start with the seventh best defenseman on the team, in my opinion. It is Mark Borbietsky, number six, coming in at number seven. Ding, ding, number seven. Uh, I think Mark Borbietsky is at number seven now only because the Lausanne, the Lausanne signing and trade puts him at number seven. However, don't be shocked if Mark Borbietsky is in the opening night lineup on opening night uh, over Lausanne because, in my opinion, I think Mark Borbietsky is one of the most respected, revered, uh, liked players in that locker room outside of like a pecorine, honestly, like everyone loves Mark Borowiecki, everyone, the other players, the coaches, <clears throat> the team staff, the media, everyone loves Mark Borowiecki. He's a great dude. Wouldn't be shocked if he's in there on opening night. Don't know how much he's going to play, but. I mean, you know, I'm the champion of the third pairing defender anyway, so I'll definitely agree with you that he is probably the most respected guy out there. Um, and I, I think you make a good case for why you would see him in the uh, lineup on opening night over someone like Lozon. But I, I'm going to tell you, I I don't have him ranked seventh. Seventh for me oh. is Lozon, and the reason I have him ranked seventh, and it's really I don't, it's not any knock to him, honestly. It's not like I'm, I'm looking at the uh, talent on the team and just ranking him last because I think he's worse than everybody. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen everything he has to offer. And so I think there's definitely potential there. It's just that he joined the team late in the season. He didn't play a whole lot before he got hurt. And, and quite honestly, I think, you know, I think there's promise there. Um, I would, I'm really hoping that this season allows him, you know, maybe being with the team for the full uh, training camp, being with the team for the full season, developing that chemistry um, and getting used the way they kind of see him, you know, to be used as a player should bring him some regularity. And I think you'll see him improve from what you saw, say, last season and maybe from, you know, the way he was with his other teams, which we we both know is fairly turbulent. So I'm going to put him seventh just because I I think he can do more than I've seen, but I haven't seen it yet. It's not a it's not a knock as much as it's just saying um, until I see something else. That's probably where I've got him sitting. So Lozon is is number seven for me. So seven and uh, sorry, sorry, number six for me. Six and seven are Lozon and Borbietsky for me consecutively. So um, it's not there, there's not a huge amount of difference. I mean, the the only difference is age, right? In my opinion, the only difference is age. Lozon is twenty five and Borbietsky is thirty two. Practically, practically a senior citizen at this point. Yeah. A miracle, really. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, they're almost, they're very identical in terms of of size. Borbietsky, I think, is a little bigger, um, um, but not by by much. I mean, they're they're pretty much similar size-wise. And 
what they are out on the ice to do is very similar. So you give Lausanne, I give Lausanne the edge uh, just in terms of age, um, only because he's a little bit younger. Maybe he's a little faster. I, I really I haven't seen that yet. So I think it's fine putting him six and seven. Number five, <clears throat> I have is Dante Fabro. And is that who you have is number five, Dante Fabro? I definitely have Dante Fabro at five. I also want to say that we flip-flopped six and seven. I, I have uh, Borowiecki yeah. at six yeah. on my list. Right. And and really, uh, you know, just because of the familiarity with the product is, is why I put him there. But, yeah, I've got Fabro at fifth. Um, you know, I kind of had – I. I had a hard time with Dante Fabro. I'm going to be honest. Um, I can make an argument for him being a spot higher, but when we when we get to that higher spot, I think we we may find that we have the same person there. Um, I just as hard as I want to make the argument that he should move up, I can't put him ahead of number four. Um, I, I just don't think that he's had the season that we expected him to have compared to this other player. If that makes sense. So Fabro has gotten every chance to prove that he deserves to be a top four guy. And I just think he hasn't, he has not reached it yet. 19 minutes a game as a 21 year old. That's fantastic. I mean, a night, a 21 year old coming and playing 19 minutes a game. He gets basically the same amount of minutes the next, the next year and has the same amount of points. No, no progress. Same amount of points and same amount of like impact on the game. Yeah. Last year, he improves in his in his output. His production goes up, but I think it's pretty clear that he, he was a beneficiary of of a, a pretty incredible year by Roman Yossi and uh, some some good years on the offensive end. I mean, he had he had twenty one twenty one of his twenty four points were at even strength, which is very good. He didn't obviously didn't play in the power play, but. I think I think Fabro improved a little bit last year, uh, at least in most most people's minds. But I, I think that the the price tag is just too too high for where where he really needs to be. I mean, two two and a half million dollars a year, two two point four. Sorry, he's an RFA next year, so his qualifying offer has to be at least that. Um, I I just it's really tough to see where Dante Fabro is going to go up this year. I mean especially with the trade for Ryan McDonough, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Skills-wise, it seems pretty clear that Alex Carrier has passed him, which I never thought would have been the case three years ago. He is what he is. He's just a he's a, he's a kind of a tweener. He's not big. He's not small. He's not fast. He's not slow. He just doesn't really do anything particularly well. Hmm. You know, I, it's, it's interesting you put it that way. Um, that's a good term. I, I think, too, one of the things that I made the comment a moment ago that he didn't have the year that we expected him to have my, my reasoning behind that. If you look back, you mentioned he's, you know, he's very young. He came straight from, he came straight from college, finished his what, college season and came straight to the team, joined them in the playoffs. And then his next season, um, it was the, it was the bubble season, the, early, the season that ended early because of COVID Um you know, and then coming back and, and having the, the shortened season, um, it's just, gosh, it just seems like the poor guy hasn't really had a chance to get settled into the team. And I know, well, he's been on the team the whole time, but you think about all of the reasons that, that a lot of people were giving John Hines for, you know, 
not he hasn't had a full training camp yet and things like that. And you could say the same for Dante Fabro. I think the difference is that John Hines, comparatively speaking, had a pretty good season as a coach with um, a lot of, you know, really good seasons from a lot of guys, uh, playoff appearance, um, you know, setting an identity for the team. You kind of were hoping that Fabro would come in after having that all that experience and then getting this full season, full training camp, all this everything and being able to put all the pieces together. But what ends up happening is you've got a guy that's been in the AHL for quite a long time. Um, you know, I've been excited about Carrier for longer than I've been excited about Fabro, but Fabro got the chance first, played the big minutes first, put on the gold sweater first and stayed in it. And then here comes Carrier and boom, I feel like he outperformed him. The, I, the other thing about it, Fabro, I, I think it would be easy to to forget this, but um, he's not bad. I, no. I don't. He's not. He's not like you know awful back there, um, no. and he can do some things offensively that are pretty good. I mean, I, so I, you, you know, if they if they don't qualify him next year, if they move on, um, you could quickly see like, oh well, you didn't really realize what you had until it was gone. So. Um, Fabro really isn't that bad. It's just, it's, it is about the, the, the hype. He was first round pick, you know, he was not, he was not expected to, to save the team or anything, but like expected to really contribute and hasn't like blown everything away. So, uh, so Fabro number five makes sense. And then I, so that means I think we're both at number four is Alex Carrier. Yeah. Um, so talking about him in, in particular, his path, his path to the NHL has been pretty pretty fascinating i mean he he makes his debut at 20 years old and then spends three years in the ahl his yeah. debut in 2016-17 was premature let's let's be honest let's be honest like sure. that was, it didn't need to happen but no like spending three years i mean that's yak of trenin like trenin had a similar thing like trenin spent so long in the ahl uh, and then and then came up and that was producing kind of thing. I mean, like it's it's a testament to the Milwaukee system. Yeah, you you get. I think it's it's funny when you talk about a prospect, and it's it's interesting. You know, these guys start having you know national attention, international attention, paid to them at a very young age, and you hear so much about them. You feel like you know they should come in after their draft year, ready to play in the NHL, and you know, a lot of guys, it's it's a few years in, in the AHL, and, and even more guys, it's still a few years in junior hockey before coming to the AHL. So, um, you know, to say that his debut was premature, sure. I think it was nice that they gave him a chance to come see what he could do. And it's just, you know, you look at how stacked Nashville has been defensively for so long that it's hard sometimes to make an argument to bring a guy up from the AHL if you're not 100% sure they're ready. Um, I'm, trying to remember exactly, I'm trying to remember what happened that he even made his debut. I think that's the year that they, they, I mean, obviously they had PK, uh, Subban still in town. So it was the top, the top four was pretty much set. I'm trying to remember who was even on what over oh, that. Matt Irwin was there. Anthony Mateto was there. Matt Carl, that was one of the ones. So Matt Carl, they signed, he plays like two games and then doesn't come back and he's, he like retires basically. So I, it doesn't, didn't make any sense why he even appeared there. Uh, I think he played two games that year and then didn't see him again until 2020. So, yeah. um, uh, but, but Alex Carey, I, I think what I, what I like about Alex Carey is I think he's a, he's a, he, he plays a, a smart game first. Uh, 
physically he's not quite there, but he he he's he's makes good decisions. And that is always what I liked about Ryan Ellis is Ryan Ellis was smaller. Um, great offensive skill set. I mean, a really, really good offensive player. Um, but it was always about his decision making that stood out to me, Ellis, but like just in transition was so smart, always pinching at the right time, jumping up into the play at the right time. Alex Carrier is kind of a smaller version of that. Uh, not smaller, a uh, maybe a lesser version of that. Um, so I, I think he's um, he's a pretty skilled uh, skilled player. No reason to, to disrupt that. Okay, so just a quick reset. Seven, I have Borbiatsky. I, I have Lausanne, six, Borbiatsky, seven. You have those flip-flopped. Right. Uh, no big change there. F- uh, fifth, Fabroque, fourth, Carrier, we both have. Right. We, but we differ We differ on third. So who do you have ranked number third in terms of the Predators defenseman? For three, I had Ryan McDonough. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'll tell you why I have him at three. First off, he's coming to the Predators from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, and I don't know. Alex, if you've been paying attention to hockey the past few years or not, but it's hard to uh, no, not much. No. Um, just looking at the numbers, right? Uh, <laughs> Checking the spreadsheets. Well, well, those spreadsheets are made up of stats from players, and those players play on teams. And McDonough played for the Tampa Bay Lightning, which have been a pretty good team. You've got to think over the past three seasons, they won the Stanley Cup twice, and then went to the the finals again a third time and unfortunately we're not well i mean i wanted the avalanche to win at that point but i'm sure he was disappointed that they weren't able to make it a three-peat now because of that i think for me you know i'm looking at the team that he's playing on they're pretty stacked defensively they've got a lot of good players so i haven't had a chance to see him and how he fits into the predator's scheme where he's going to play who he's going to play with and the type of game he's going to bring to this particular team so i was hesitant to put him any higher than third i assume he's going to be you know probably on the first or second pairing i don't think they would play him lower than that um and i don't necessarily think that first or second pairing really matters and ranking someone whether they're in the top two or three and four but um i feel like he could come to this team and be a very, very big part of it. But much like Lausanne, I, I haven't quite, I haven't seen anything with McDonough on this team. So I'm, I'm hesitant to put him much higher. You put Lausanne. a lot of weight. You put a lot of weight in like guys that you've seen and, and what, what you actually have watched in, in person. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah. I, I think, um, uh, if it, 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 it would be easy to watch the lightning, and not see Ryan McDonough stand out because of all right. their other stars. So even if you are watching the Lightning and winning those two Stanley Cups, I mean, he, he had a lot of amazing plays and a really, really solid defensive efforts, but, like, it would be easy to, to not notice it. So unless you watch every minute. Um, so I, I, I think there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I would put Ekholm third behind McDonough because – to me, Ekholm stands as a really good example of, of where the Predators are at with their with their defenseman uh, sort of development, and that is they find guys who can who can really excel in a certain area, and then they kind of have to squeeze them into an into a role that tests them somewhat. And I think Ekholm has sort of tested the limits of his 
upper abilities. Um, I, I really don't think that Ekholm is is a is a top two talent on any NHL team. I think he's like a third or fourth, and meaning not a third or fourth liner, but like a third or fourth defenseman on most teams. Um, just because I I think he there's there's too many kind of holes in his game. I think at, at too many times he he doesn't have the speed to keep up. He uh, makes some rash some rushed decisions um, at both ends. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm picking nits here, right? I mean, I'm really, I'm, he's still very good. I mean, he's the, I'm putting him as the third best defenseman on this team. Um, but I think he's reached the absolute ceiling of what he, what he can be in the NHL. And that's not a, a top two defenseman on, on the team. The fact that he had to be the top two defenseman on the team for so long last year is maybe why the defense wasn't so good. I mean, it was like Roman Yossi and then it was Mat- Matias Ekholm and that was it. And it was like the rest of the team which is kind of struggling to keep up. So, I mean, they had a lot of problems defensively, and I think Macias Ekholm was not – he wasn't a huge problem or anything, but it's just like he's he's at the limits. He's at the limits of what he can do. So, a lot of skill. He can skate well. He's got the size. That's that's huge. But I just – I see him as third. Ryan, Ryan McDonough, on the other hand, I think has – considerably more skills at both ends for than, than Matias Ekholm. I, I think he's, I think he's actually kind of a, a really significant step up from Matias Ekholm. Um, and I think that we'll see that. I think that if, if it pairs out, like I think it will, and, and Ekholm is back with uh, Yossi, then I think we'll see McDonough really shine in that second role with probably Carrier. So kind of what I'm thinking. So you've got McDonough at second. Yes. Well, I have Ekholm at second, and I, I see what you're saying. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I hadn't really contemplated the the defensive, um, I guess, failings of the team last year when I was making these rankings as much as I was trying to look uh, and say, okay, well, these are the guys I've seen. These are the guys I know, and these are new guys. Um, where do I think they're going to fit? Now, when you put it that way, you're probably right. I'm not going to change what I'm going to say because I want to wait and see. But um, I have Ekholm at second, of course, um, mainly because I'm not 100% sure what McDonough is going to do with the Predators. Um, you know, if if he comes in and sets the world on fire, like, like you're saying, and really drastically improves um, the defense of the team, then sure, I think Ekholm moves to three. Um, but I've, I've got to see that happen. So that's, that's not a great reason for having him at two, but that's why I've got him at two. Got it. Wait, okay. who's left? So at number one, Ben Harper. That's right. <laughs> um, number one is obviously Roman Yossi, the best defenseman in the league. Um, at least he should have been last year. He was not because Kale McCarr is kind of insane. He's just like an alien. So, um, but I think either way, uh, Roman Yossi is just uh, not even close. It's just like a one, 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 and then Ryan McDonough for me is is pretty significantly behind him, and then significantly after him is at home. You have him a little bit tighter, I think, but um, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Um, so uh, that that wraps it up. That's our that's our ranking. So we've got uh, we've got all those guys ranked. Um, before we move on to what we're going to talk about next, I uh, do want to talk to you about. Relax the back. We are still brought to you by Relax the Back. If you want to live better, feel better, and sleep better every day, you've got to check out Relax the Back. They've got tons 
of customized comfort options for the office, relaxing at home, sleeping at night. They've got ergonomic office chairs, zero gravity chairs, all perfect for getting your spine in the correct position so you can work better every day, but also sleeping at night. If you're looking for sleep options, they've got the Technogel, the Temper Ergo Smart Base, wedge systems, and posture pillows for getting you in the correct natural position for sleeping. Recovery options, massage chairs, recliners, foot massagers, back massagers, all the massagers you could want right there in the store. What store is that, you ask? It is the Relax the Back store in Green Hills, 2020 Glen Echo Road. Go to Green Hills. A sleep agent is on hand every day. You got to talk to Glenn. He owns the store. And uh, if you talk to him, you got to ask him about the four pillars of wellness. Go in there and say, Glenn, I'm here because on the Preds talked about you guys. What are the four pillars of wellness? Spoiler, spoiler alert. Here's what he'll say. Healthy sleep, healthy body, healthy work, and healthy mind. Go check it out. Okay. Well, I have a, I had a very healthy mind when I, watched what we're about to watch because um this has been on the internet for quite some time i mean this 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 thing that we're about to talk about is not a new thing we did not discover this i just wanted to talk about it because it looked fun and um i don't know if this is going to work but i'm going to try to share my screen with you sean even though people at home can't okay. see this so i can play the audio if i play the audio on my on my uh well i think that's the that might be the only way to do it hmm. here's what we're watching there, in 1991, there was a, uh, a promotional ad for this restaurant called The Sizzler. If you don't know what The Sizzler is, well, Sean, tell them what The Sizzler is. What was it? So, you know, I grew up with The Sizzler. Sizzler was a part of my childhood. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area of California, home to many a Sizzler. And, and what The Sizzler is, is a restaurant where it's not just, Alex, it's not just a buffet. It doesn't just have a salad bar and a dessert bar. It also is a full steakhouse. So you don't just go in and get the buffet, right? You can go mm -hmm. in and order a steak if you want. You can go in and order, get some good meat and potatoes, sit down you know, with your family and enjoy a, a full meal. Well, maybe the kids say they want to go to the buffet or maybe for me as a kid, you know, I, I didn't have an advanced palate. I liked my things um, bite-sized <laughs> and fried. Um, so, you know, to go to a restaurant as a kid, it was kind of like, do they have like, you know, popcorn shrimp? Because that's probably I what agree. I'm going to get. So, you know, for my dad, my mom, they're like, hey, you know, we don't want to go to a popcorn shrimp restaurant, but I could always make an argument to go to the Sizzler because they could get what they wanted and they didn't have to wait around for a kid's meal. I could just go to the bar and get what I wanted and, and start eating immediately. Mm -hmm. So I find that it, it, I... That that's fascinating, and I think that the the Sizzler as an idea is a very it, it the odd thing. Even though that came out in '91, I think it's a very '80s feel. It, it, it they they did become more popular in the '90s, but uh, for reasons I'll talk about later, I think they actually fell off in the '90s. But um, here's the ad. It's a four minute commercial. This that's what's crazy. Here. It's a four minute promotional ad. I don't even know what channel this would have come on. It's almost like they sold this. It's almost like they 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 made this commercial for people to buy one or to to franchise yeah. one or build one in their town. It was it was almost well, like for city planners as opposed to for you know TV ads in between uh, NFL Monday Night Football or something. It was just yeah. So here I don't we go. Remember seeing anything this big? I also hear the music. It starts off. We've got just some some really interesting. 
music. <laughs> so we've got this awesome music. And I'm going to pause right here because what, what we're seeing here, since people can't see this, we're just seeing a montage of different kind of a very, very Americanized things. For some reason, there's, yeah. a, there's a dog catching a Frisbee. There's a girl playing baseball. There's a, a, a construction worker. Um, and we've got this really good music. I'll just let it play here. terrible form uh okay what do you want to say first off i mean it's it's americana you know I, I, it wouldn't be out of place like with a a john cougar mellencamp song playing over it or something mm -hmm. but it's it's interesting that we go from americana to like just random boat captain just, yeah there's just a boat captain, captain with a child i'm not a, really sure this was clearly filmed like at a marina this was filmed yeah. like in, in a marina probably like in California somewhere. Um, and they just, they just got some people dressed them up as sea captains and as uh, sailors, and then just shot it right next to the, uh, the, the, the Marina there. But uh, if we keep going, there's some really interesting voiceover that's about to happen here. Now we get the, the sizzler inside looks of the sizzler. There's the sailor oh, with, the, with the ship, with the carrier in the background, too. First off, his hair is too long to be in the military. So That's true. I don't buy Here we go. Overdub. All over America, a quiet revolution has been taking place. <laughs> more and more, both parents are working and raising families. Life seems to be moving faster than ever. And Americans have rediscovered a redefining what's really important in their lives. They want quality in their personal life, in their business life, in the goods they purchase, and in the food they eat. They want good, basic home cooking, quality food, and they want choices, variety, all at a reasonable price. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. So uh, the idea of this being a quiet revolution is a really fascinating point uh, that, that people have been there's been grassroots campaigns to try to get restaurants like this in, in their in their neighborhoods, and that it's it's been something that has been brewing for decades. I, I really love that idea. That that's so fascinating. Such an interesting campaign strategy for this for this marketing. When all we're seeing on the screen, aside from some random shots of a carousel, which I can't figure out, that's are, a weird one. Just some really bland looking like steaks and shrimp and salads and dessert options and Italian food that is that is just like it, it is the most um, glossed over sanitized. Uh, I, they, they really had not perfected how to put food on camera yet. And I think that's really stands out in this. Um, they, that hit a peak in the 90s for sure. And by the early oh, yeah. 2000s food was looking great. Like you see a commercial for a Big Mac and you're like, that thing looks amazing. But they hadn't figured it out yet in 19, 1991. Um, and now here's the interesting part. The, the commercial takes a turn about two minutes in where all of a sudden we get some yeah. subplots. But get, keep. what were you going to say? Well, I mean, it's, you know, because it, it, it's funny because they're talking about a quiet revolution. They're talking about variety and choice. And they're really not even showing 
a lot of food. And, and what I think I think they want you to understand is that food or a restaurant, it's not about the food you eat. It's about the experience. It's about how you get there. It's about, you know, yeah. you as a generic uh, foreman at a construction site, um, you've been working hard all day for what we assume to be a, a modest salary. And when you come home, because now, as they mentioned, both parents are working. So it's yeah. not like this is Susie homemaker at home waiting to make him a, a hot yeah. meal. No, both parents are working. I assume yeah. the other generic construction foreman is his wife. Maybe they work together. I'm not really sure. There's a, it's not clear. Yeah. But do they, these busy, um, you know, up and coming, um, you know, masters of industry, do they have time to come home and prepare the type of meal that their family needs? No. So where yeah. do you go to get this type of meal, Alex? You go to the Sizzler and you I go to the Sizzler. The, the revolution started at the construction site where the guy decided I need a place where I can get some shrimp scampi, a yep. salad with as much ranch dressing as I want to put on it. A bucket and of a ranch. And a, yeah, a bucket of ranch and a steak. Now, but the subplots really emerge here in the second part. So, it, it, by the way, if you want to watch these, just go to my Twitter at AlexRD1. I posted part, I, I just put it in two parts because it's two, it's four minutes. You can't put longer than a two minute video on Twitter. So we're at the end of part one. Americans want value. It's true. And that's the quote. That's at the very end of part one. Holding to traditions and changing with the times. That quote to me sticks out as one of the most important of the entire thing because um, the holding to traditions part is like we've got food that you can eat. Like that's literally the tradition. Yes. The tradition is 100%. we have food. And the changing with the times is them and just inventing this like want. This like – well, the, the times Alex, are changing because we're forcing them to. Alex, people, people desired – I want to say for decades – they desired a buffet and they couldn't have it. They weren't ready is what it was. It's like, this is what we want. And then the, like the world the was like, look at the screen right now. Look at the oh screen. Oh my gosh. That's what Listen, we're about to come, but keep, keep going. I'm Sorry. really excited. Now, the thing I want to point out here about this too, is that that, that line um, by holding to, I've got the lyrics up because that's where my life is <laughs> by holding the traditions yet changing with the times choices and selections, choices and directions, choices that can add a little freedom in your life. Now listen yeah. to this. This is a change in the way it's delivered because what you've had up until this point is the voiceover, but before that you had a choir, right? It wasn't right. a huge choir, but there were male voices, there were female voices. This is by a much more um what's the word I'm looking for? A little rougher, gravelly voiced male singer by himself talking about this. And what he's doing is he's he's trying to help usher you as as the patriarchal representation of American society up until you have basically America before Sizzler and he's getting ready to introduce you to America after Sizzler. And so what he's doing is he's saying, look, I'm, I'm the old way. I'm the, the male driven society. And I'm here to tell you that, look, things are going to change a little bit, but it's okay. And I'm going to tell you it's okay. And then the next thing, you know, and Alex, I'm going to let you bring this up because we know there's <laughs> one thing that sells on TV. What sells? Sex. Sex sells. And you know what there hasn't been in this yet? Sex. There hasn't yes. been any sex. None. So, 
All right. I, we, we are part two begins with the introduction of our main character. We we're halfway through this film and we have not yet made up, met our main character. And our main character is a lady. I just, I, I can only really refer to her as hungry girl. I, I, I think that, I think maybe thirsty is a better apt term. Well, in she's terms of, she thirsty. She's, <laughs> she's perhaps maybe more thirsty than hungry, shall we say, but um, she definitely, what one thing I'll say about this performance before we move on is she's really going for it. Oh yeah, full we're talking, on this one. We're talking dramatic theatrics going on right yep. here. You got to watch this on on again on my Twitter, but um, you won't see obviously what we're talking about if you're just listening to this. But if you go back and watch the very beginning of part two, Hungry Girl is 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 coming on strong right as these lyrics that that Sean just read. Sizzler is the one. <laughs> All right. Okay. What happened? Okay. Get a little freedom in your life. Well, we have. If you watch the net, if you watch part two, you see. Guess, guess who's back? Guess. <laughs> Hungry girl is back, and she has stolen somebody's husband. So, she yep. clearly was not just there to pick up some shrimp, and. Oh, it was. She was definitely there for the buffet experience because she wanted to experience. make choices. Exactly, she was there for the buffet experience. I think she also uh, now the, the the guy the guy is not blameless here. I think clearly this guy was on the prowl and oh, yeah. uh, he got what he wanted too. So it, it's a consensual thing, but it, it wasn't. Uh, it came, comes out of nowhere with this. There's some other characters in here. There's a girl, uh, a woman coming up that I think uh, is doing a really good impersonation of Jack Nicholson when he played the uh, the Joker in Batman. She's got the the triangular uh, facial expression going on. Watermelon Kid, I think, is a really solid role, and I think that kid actually took it very seriously. Did a little method acting, really, really found, found the, the the what the role was supposed to be. He found his why. Yeah. There she is. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> With two completely different dining experiences. Here we go. Explanation time. With a variety of distinctive platters served at your table. And the buffet court. A whole experience on its own. Where you create delicious combinations just the way you want them. It's a restaurant within a restaurant. With all the value, quality, and freedom of choice Americans want. Okay, so one thing about that is, you know, he talks about... The, you can create all these combinations as you want them right as he says that okay so they're showing a bunch of food here they're showing like onion rings and burgers and salads and fruit and stuff and then it gets to the point where he's like yeah you can make delicious combinations just the way you want them and as he's saying that they're just pouring chocolate sauce on top of a sundae because that's what every kid wants to do it's just like i want to get a burger but put chocolate on i want to get uh all the cookies and stack them up and pour chocolate all over everything it's it's food porn is what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's food. Porn, I mean, hundred percent. Right? What's going on there? And I want to. I want to just say, you know, you mentioned that the hungry girl has stolen someone's man, and and you say he's not blameless. No, he's not. I think, you know, if you really get into the subplot of this, what I think the sizzler wants people to understand is is much like um much like the the green world in shakespearean in shakespearean works um the world like the the social order is turned on its head and so what you've got to understand is that in this new post sizzler america women women can choose who they're dating they exactly. they're not going to be led around by by men she's at the she's at the buffet she sees exactly. something she likes She's going to sample it. You know, she kisses the, kisses the guy. She's got a tantalizing combination. A tantalizing combination. And, you know, um, I guess the thing is, he knows that he's been caught, right? He's aware that he's been caught because he turns around and sees the camera and yeah. realizes the camera's there. And there's just a, a, a glimpse, just a moment of shock and concern on his face. But then he goes, you know what? I'm at the sizzler. It doesn't matter. The rules don't apply here the way they right. do in the regular world. Exactly. So he goes back, he goes in for the kiss and he, he does, he does not shy away from that opportunity. And so I think, I think the message is being sent that, you know what, when you come to sizzler, it's not going to be the way things used to be. You may come in and it's like 1950s America, but you're going to leave and it's the future and women can do what they want to do. Um, you know, men aren't the only ones in charge. Men and women can get jobs and they can work. And by golly, if you want a pound and a half of, of chocolate syrup on ice cream, go ahead and pour it on there, kid, because yeah. you'll get a third set of teeth. It's fine. Let's keep, let's keep, let's finish it up here. It's ahead of the competition. Sizzler for the ladies. Exactly what America wants. Guy with the dog. Wet hair girl. Pause real quick. Wet hair girl creeps me out. I'm not going to lie. This is the horror no. movie point of this. Why is her hair so wet? Well, she's she's wearing a sweatband. No, so she, I, no, I'm assuming. She did not come from a run. If she came from a run, she has a biological problem because that is way too much sweat. Okay, you're probably right. But what if it just, Look at you that. know, is her face wet too? No, it's just her. She just dunked her, her head hair. in something. Hmm. Maybe you a bucket of ranch. I don't know. Carousel again. The carousel. I don't know. Understand. There's water. There's there's watermelon kid. I think he's he's locked oh, he's, in. He's found his why. Project manager, construction crew. I don't know and why. Fa fashion hats. Dude ranch, and then we finish Fake on sailor. this shot. Sorry, what? Fake sailor. Fake sailor. We submitted on the shot of the sailor with his girlfriend. He just came off the boat from his tour. Um, the, the the USS Sizzler in the background, and uh, it's a, it's a good way to. It, it's not it's not a bad finish. I'll, I'm not gonna lie, but because especially because '91, you know, Persian Gulf War and all that was going on, that was probably yep. a big topic. They were like, we got to put some Gulf War imagery in there. And the girl with the baseball, we didn't talk about this, but you know, I, you and I are both baseball. We're baseball dudes. Boy, yeah. she's got a lot of work to do on that swing. I mean, she popped out to the third baseman, I think. It was that was bad. Well, here's the thing is she knows enough to know that she hit the ball, um, but she just spins in a circle to celebrate. <laughs> she um, to run, run, run. Gotta run it out. I mean, what are you doing? Don't don't pimp your your pop out. At least run. Terrible. Run the first. 
I don't even, and I guess we get the, are these the are these wait a minute are those the waiters I guess they're waiters yeah okay so they they, they wore bow ties oh yeah we got to get the sizzler and it's they 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 call it a restaurant so it's the final the final shot is a sizzler with buffet buffet court and grill and it says a restaurant within a restaurant that was what people opined for in the nineties that was what the Quiet That's Revolution true. was about here's what I wanted to say about that so what's interesting about the 90, one of the reasons I want to talk about this is because I'm reading this book called The 90s, and it's by oh. Chuck. It's by Chuck Klosterman. Uh, you may hey, what's it about? About the 90s. Okay, uh, it's a fantastic book. It's just a really great tour uh, of of the 90s of, of all the different parts. And one of the big theories, or one of the big kind of points that he makes about the 90s is that it sort of began. As, as opposed to traditionally, you know, the 90s didn't start January 1st, 1990. Oh, we're in the 90s now. Oh, and now we get to have, you know, all the things that the 90s have. We're done with the 80s. <clears throat> things are more fluid than that. His take is, you know, a lot of people think that the 90s really started with the Berlin Wall falling in 1989. His take, and I think I agree with him, is that if you think the cult, the cultural 90s really began in 91 when Three albums all came out like the same week. It was Nirvana's Nevermind, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and Pearl Jam's first album, which I think was a self-titled album, maybe. All came out within a week. Think about that. The three most like influential albums of the 90s, those three influential 90s bands, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, uh, Nirvana, all came out within a week. And then immediately after that, start the grunge scene and total cultural revolution, change, everything changes. The, the excess of the 80s is over. It's not it's no longer about um, about about success. It's about anti-success. It's about counterculture rather than culture. You want to be against culture. And what's so great about this commercial is it came out like right as that was happening. And then like Sizzler basically died. Like it, it became became this like relic almost immediately. And almost immediately people made fun of it. And I, I know you didn't because you you were just talking about how much you liked it. I'm talking about from a realistic standpoint, it was never that popular uh, and it didn't it didn't go anywhere despite this quiet revolution that this ad company tried to start. Does he say that in the book that, that it went away, that it died? No, I mean, it, what? how many Sizzlers are there right now? So many Sizzlers. How many? Gosh. Well, I'm going to look it up, but I'm going to tell you Sizzler is a West Coast thing. That's why you don't, you're not familiar with it. How many are there out there? I mean, it's not like how many. Okay, here we. How many Sizzlers are there left? There are 107 Sizzlers left. Come on, that's, that's like basically like, that's dead. tons. That's two in every state. That's nothing. But they're not in every state because it's a West Coast thing. There's more Loveless cafes in Tennessee than there are Sizzlers. Well, how many Loveless cafes are in California? I'm just saying, like, it's not. Look, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in uh, 2020. A lot of people file for Chapter 11 that's, bankruptcy that's, in 2020. That's a good point. That's a good point. Fair. <laughs> uh, so I'm just saying it's not like it wasn't a revolution, right? I mean, do we? Yeah. When was the last time you even ate at any kind of a buffet court style restaurant like that? I, I mean, it hasn't been that long. Sean, please tell me what? it's been longer than 10 years. No. What? You see a buffet, you gotta go. You tell me that you, you as a kid in California eating popcorn shrimp was the last time that it happened. It, no. hasn't, it didn't happen like last week, did it? it? Was a Chinese buffet less than two months ago? I think a Chinese buffet is different. They, they, Not, that's, why? 
Nah, it's different. It just is. That was it's the quiet. That was the quiet sizzling. revolution. That, that was the revolution right there. No, that's, that was I, that I was a different. That's a different kind of revolution. I'm eating popcorn shrimp at both of them. Okay. And everybody's having a good time. Everybody, oh. especially that guy in a sweater. <laughs> the guy in the sweater. I think. I think one of my favorite parts is. Uh, is he eating a flower? What is he doing? He just put, he put a ton of lettuce on that burger. He put Jeez, so please. much lettuce because he can. It was part of the part of the the idea. Anyways, I, I wanted to talk about that because I thought it was a fascinating commercial. And also, uh, if you want, I would strongly recommend reading this book. If you grew up in the '90s, if '90s are a big part of your life, like. If you're if you're my age, mid thirties, mid late thirties, okay. Uh, late thirties. If you're even just early thirties, and you want to check out a really good tour of what the nineties were really like, and like all the different culture and politics and sports and everything, um, the nineties by Chuck Klosterman, and you will see why Sizzler failed. You will exact. You will see the reason why Sizzler's Quiet Revolution never took off because people didn't want these kinds of things. They were against these kinds of things, and the and the and the even the popular culture wanted specifically good things. Like, I mean, you know, McDonald's and Nike and you know Air Jordan and the the, the dominant the dominant music culture of the of the '90s was about uh, really anti-established. I mean, all the different rap albums that came out, all the you know Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers. I've already talked about Alanis Morissette, like all these different like really popular. Uh, things were were more, less about being uh, something that popular culture wanted and something popular culture did not want. So, eh, you know, I, I'm having a hard time with your your take on this. That's a cold <laughs> take. Everybody universally loves Sizzler. <coughs> well, it's a good debate, anyways. Eh, I mean, uh, let's, let's look. I'm gonna look at the menu right now. Oh man, look at that burger. Oh, where's the closest one you said? You said the the closest. Well, it depends. I don't know what's the closest. It's either it's either Gallup, New Mexico, or Puerto Rico. Okay, so there's a, the there's a ton we in don't Puerto have Rico. To take a boat or a plane. The closest that we could drive to would be Gallup, New Mexico. How far is that? And a, how far of a drive is that? Day and a half, two days. I'm, I mean, it depends on if you're stopping, if you're switching drivers. I don't know what your plan is. Like, I can't drive at night, so like that's not going to work. I... You drive during the day. I'll drive at night. Okay, well, I'll see. Let me see how long it'll take us to get there. And we will listen to all of Nirvana's Nevermind, all of Pearl Jam's first album, and all of Red Hot Chili Peppers' Blood Sugar Sex Magic. That'll get us like to Texas. No, maybe that, no, that won't even get us to Texas. That won't even get us out of Tennessee. I don't think. <laughs> all right, let's see. Hold on, we're we're about to find. Oh, good God! It... <laughs> It's 19 and a half hour drive. Oh, that's easy. That's a less than a day. Yeah, listen. Yeah, I'll drive. Here's what we, do. we go eat at a good restaurant here at like six o'clock. Okay. I'm gonna need get a in the car. We get in the car. I start driving. I drive the first 10 hours. You sleep. Drive all night. Drive till the sun. You drive the next nine hours. We're okay. there. Well, well, time change. We'll be there at like four o'clock. We'll be at like four o'clock New Mexico time. We rest for an hour and then we eat at the Sizzler. You know, I that's a good idea. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm listening because I'm going to tell you I I have a fear that you know it's it's the primacy recency whatever effect. You know, the Sizzler came to me at a at a very important 
developmental stage in my life. I was probably 10, 11 years old. Um, and, and quite frankly, maybe, maybe my memories are a little bit filled with nostalgia because that was, that was the place that I knew that if I brought it up in just the right way at just the right time, there was a chance that we would eat something besides baked liver. Um, <laughs> so, because that was a thing my parents made for dinner sometimes. Oh, um, God. I know, but that's, it's okay. Um, I, I, I didn't yeah, eat it. I just before, wept in the corner. Before you go back that the memory is spoiled. I don't know. I, maybe it's a memory that needs spoiling or apparently there's just like a bunch of hungry chicks there. I'm not sure. Hey, so, there you um, go. But I, let me ask, let me ask you a question. And this, this is for anybody out there listening and in podcast land too. I want to know this. It, Alex, have you ever worked at a restaurant? I, I have. I've worked at several. Right? Um, did you ever work at a restaurant with a buffet? Even a salad bar? Uh, no, no, never. Okay. You mentioned it earlier, but people are disgusting yes. when it comes to ranch dressing at a, at a <laughs> self-serve like salad bar. Like I'm right. talking, like I've, I've, I was doing dishes that, once. I remember that from college, like, you know, the cafeteria oh. at college, right? Just like, I'd get a plate back that clearly <laughs> had been someone's salad plate. And there's like a, like a quarter inch or half inch, like deep, just pool of, of ranch dressing left over, mind you, not, not just poured on it, but left over from the salad they dressed, which, you know, with all the nooks and crannies that a salad has to offer, um, man, think about how much actual ranch dressing was consumed. It's absolutely disgusting. Every time I pick up one of those plates, I was judging someone very hard. Yeah. I know what you mean about not wanting to spoil the memory. I have, I have this, I have this, recurring fantasy that I could go back to the Bellevue mall circa 1997, 96, I was 12. The Bellevue mall was a staple of the, of the mid nineties for me. I mean, all, you know, the food court was there, but there was also this tilt arcade area. There was a, a video game store, a bookstore, a music store, I mean, all there was a huge several different areas for just teenagers to hang out, and I have a feeling that if I went, I have this, I have this fantasy to like, I wish I could go back to that. But I bet yeah. if I went back, I would be like, man, eh, that's kind of blows. I'll leave. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like all those people who are like, man, I wish I could go back to high school. Like, trust me, I work in one every day. You're, yeah, you wouldn't. You're you not wouldn't. missing anything. <laughs> it's not as cool yeah. as you remember it being. Exactly. Trust me. I, I don't know. I think it'd be worth the uh, the road trip to go yeah. to the Sizzler. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe uh, the Sizzler wants to pay us to go do that. We have we've talked a lot a lot of free advertising for them on this show. I, I I think we're fine because we're not currently sponsored by another restaurant, and also there's not even a Sizzler within a night within an 18 hour drive of uh, where we're recording right now. So, um, having said all that, I. Really hope that everyone uh, listens through this whole thing. And if you did listen to the whole thing, uh, please let us know uh, because this was a fun experiment. And uh, maybe we'll do more stuff like this uh, in the coming weeks while we're not really having a lot to talk about with hockey. But um, I don't think there's a comparison, uh, a hockey comparison to be made here. Maybe there is. But uh, and hey, if there's another old 80s or 90s promotional ad that you want us to review and talk about, tweet us. Put it, put it in a Twitter, tweet us at it, or tweet, tweet us, tweet it to us. And uh, maybe we'll talk about it next time. Well, and I think too, like, I think this Sizzler thing could work because think about it. 
you know, they could say if, if this works out, they, they pay for our, our drive out there, they pay for our meal or drive back home. You know, they could say uh, the sizzler it's, it's worth driving 20 hours for if we, go. if we like the meal, you know, and that's, that's the thing is that's, that's a good slogan. I think that could sell some uh, buffet tickets or whatever it is that's going on there now. And at the same time, Hey, if it's Thank not you. worth driving 20 hours for, they can pay for our silence. Maybe, right, there you go. Maybe also they can pay us to do another podcast, specifically Sizzler-focused. Oh, man. So we can have a podcast within a podcast, just like a restaurant within a restaurant. We could record a podcast at the Sizzler. I think that's what we have to do. So how far, so next time that the Predators play in Phoenix... We drive out there. That's what we're doing. I've, I've already decided. Phoenix, huh? We're budgeting this out. Budgeting this out. Well, I mean, Gallup, New Mexico, and then you drive to Phoenix. Maybe we could go to Dallas first, and then, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Not even not even close. What? What's not even close? Dallas. Well, it's on the way. No, it's not. Sure it is. No, it's going to take 20, 21 hours to go through Dallas. Oh, okay. Okay, um, that's going to do it for today's show. Um, please check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sports.com and um, more news coming uh, maybe over the next week or so. Uh, don't want to spoil anything there, but uh, there will be more news out uh, very soon. Uh, but in the meantime, follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. You can also find those two videos uh, on my Twitter as well. And then also, Sean has changed his Twitter handle at SCSNSH. So as in SCS Nash or NSH National. You know, you get it. SCSNSH. Um, and we will see everybody next week.